0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.
1: The mass shooting that took place in Maine was the 565th mass shooting in U.S. history. That's according to the Gun Violence Archive. 18 people killed, 13 more injured, three in critical condition in hospital, and police continuing to search for the main suspect, Robert Card, as the small town of Lewiston reels from the loss of human life. And meanwhile, people, I think the term is shelter indoors because he is still on the run. There are concerns that American foreign policy, meanwhile in the Middle East, risks widening the Israel-Hamas conflict as the military launched airstrikes on two Iranian-backed facilities in Syria this morning. To look at both of these issues is um, Terry Sheridan, who is Managing Director of WSHU Public Radio. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, Anton. Uh, Terry, uh, let's go first to uh, Maine. Normally, when we see these kind of things, the shooter is apprehended fairly quickly after they have occurred. In this instance, that isn't the case. He's still at large.
0: He's still at large. Yes, it's a day and a half after the shooting. Here is what the, the, the problems are. Uh, Maine is a very rural, heavily wooded state. Card is uh, has army training, so I don't want to say he's a survivalist, but he is familiar with the outdoors where hunting, camping, fishing is a way of life, and he could head into the woods and elude detection. After all, he has been trained by the military. The other issue is that he has two boats, one of which is missing. So the Coast Guard is involved. So they're searching the river to see if he went, if he dumped the boat and went into the woods. So it's still a very fluid situation. They were, uh, the authorities were descending on his house in nearby Bowdoin last night, as well as other family members. They didn't find anything on the property, so they ended that search. But again, we're going into a second day now of shelter in place and also uh, schools being closed in the area.
1: And of course, the other issue being that it isn't just that he is a fugitive, he is a heavily armed fugitive who is military trained, which must make it particularly challenging for law enforcement.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he has if he has an AR-15 and just say he's hiding in a tree, he can act as a sniper and pick off anyone who's looking for him, no matter how heavily armed the searches are or how they are protected with Kevlar or other uh, gear. This, of course,
1: brings us to the argument that always arises after a U.S. mass shooting and that never resolves, which is that of assault rifles and their availability and the general gun laws in the U.S. What's our expectation? Because obviously Joe Biden has been trying to return to the Clinton-style assault rifle bans with little success.
0: And there will probably be little of success here. The new Speaker of the House has said that he doesn't believe gun control is responsible for this. He believes that, and this is a quote from last night, that it's within a person's heart and that this is a mental health issue, and this is how it should be addressed. So I would be shocked if anything if, if anything comes out of this. It's also pointed out that Maine has very, very lax gun laws. There's no background check. There's no red flag law, et cetera. So, again, you have someone like Robert Card, who was identified as having mental health issues. There was no mechanism for removing guns from his possession.
1: And Terry, the the fact that an argument of that fatuousness gains as much credence as it does, is that because of the power of the NRA and the gun lobby and the gun industry? Or is it just that there is such a civilian desire to have guns as toys that they don't want to hear anything otherwise?
0: It's a little bit of both. Yes, absolutely. The NRA and and the gun lobby have spent millions of dollars over the years to reinforce this message about what the Second Amendment is, and that's to heavily arm yourself against government, against your own government. However, it is still a relatively small uh, number of people who hold this. Uh, Poll after poll after poll shows that around 85 to 90 percent of Americans want some sort of gun control and don't believe that weapons of war, uh, such as the AR-15, should be available to civilians.
1: What has been the reaction in and around Lewiston and in Maine? Because obviously people are still very frightened if they're being told to stay inside and lock their doors. But there must be a huge shock at the level of death and the level of injury that this man has caused.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, for instance, let's just say we have 18 people who were killed in this, 13 others who are wounded. In Maine last year, 2022, 29 people in total were, were murdered or were victims of a homicide. So this 18, just to put that in perspective, Maine is also population-wise a very small state, even though it is a pretty big state. So as they were saying uh, on Wednesday night when this first happened, almost everyone in the state is going to know somebody who was either either killed, shot, or somehow impacted uh, by what happened on Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the the uh, gun laws in Maine. There are a number of states that have effectively red flag laws that relate to somebody having being in the throes of a mental health episode and what that means for the capacity to have guns. How does Maine differ from them?
0: Well, they just don't have it, <laughs> you know. It, it's they, they don't. There's no mechanism for, for instance, in New York, where I am now, you could go to a judge and say this person my 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 spouse my son my parent uh, my brother has men, has documented mental health issues he wants to get a gun or has a gun we want to take it away from him so you go to court and that could be done you know it's done on a temporary basis but you can take the gun away there's no such mechanism in maine
1: and do you understand Terry why the why the discussion why the the comparison is so rarely made in america with how out of step it is with the rest of the world when it comes to gun deaths. Because whatever your view of gun ownership or anything else, when you look at the actual numbers of both mass shootings and gun deaths, uh, America among the wealthy industrialised nations is just exponentially out of step with everybody else. But that is rarely raised in, in the dialogue in the US. Do you know why?
0: I don't know why. I mean, I know that, that people do talk about it. And and again, as, as what President Biden said, you know, that we don't have to live this way. Um, I think there's a certain amount of fear uh, going against the gun lobby and going against some of the radical gun owners. Um, but no, I mean, it, it is uh, I, I don't know how getting more guns makes getting more guns safer. If you know what, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? It just it's just a dystopian world,
1: although you can see now how in the oddly to some extent, people can push that daft narrative now because they can say, well, if you have somebody who's heavily armed and wandering around in the woods, aren't you safer if you're able to protect your family with the very guns that are causing this problem in the first place? But I don't think we're going to solve that here, Terry. Let us move to the other uh, possibly insoluble issue, which is uh, what's happening currently in, in the Middle East. We were speaking earlier on in relation to the US role in supporting Israel and the imprimatur that that gives Israel in terms of the military action that it's taking. Is there any waning of popular support for that um, that American backstopping of Israel?
0: Well, there's I don't know. I don't want to say it's waning. I mean, again, in America, I'm as I'm sure elsewhere, it is still a very hotly debated issue uh, where with, with does Israel have the right to defend itself versus, you know, do Palestinians have the right to, you know, do we protect Palestinians, Palestinians and innocent Palestinians? So there is a very big discussion going on about that. But, um, you know, getting back to your question, I would say most Americans do support Israel, although they don't. I don't know if they support to the ex- uh, to the extent of what they're doing or what they, they plan on doing.
1: And is it likely to become a significant political issue? Because it, it, previously, Donald Trump, for instance, has been very vocal and very active in his support for Israel, including things like the move of the U.S. embassy. Is this going to become something that feeds into the coming presidential election?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It is. It is a very it is a very top of mind topic uh, in America. Uh, again, conservatives, uh, Republicans are criticizing President Biden for not being a strong enough supporter of, of Israel. So it, it's just it's very top of mind.
1: Lastly, before I get, let you go, Terry, I must ask about the, the uh, Donald Trump situation because you mentioned that you are in New York and he has faced extraordinary difficulty in terms of uh, legal action there. What has been your view of how that case is developing and how much danger is he in?
0: Well, in this particular case, the danger coming to him is how much he's actually going to lose because the judge has already decided the case. Donald Trump basically defaulted on this case. Uh, The judge has decided that, yes, he did commit fraud. And basically what we're looking at now is what the penalties are going to be. A $250 million fine, the ability to do business in New York State, that's what the verdicts could be or what the judgment uh, of the judge handing down could be. But the other thing is, it's Donald Trump's behavior in court. um, And if he hits a point where he is actually held in contempt because of his behavior or because of his unwillingness to uh, follow the gag order that the judge put on him, he could be still heavily fined. He's been basically slapped on the wrist, but he could wind up in jail, you know, on a contempt charge if he continues along the way he's doing.
1: Terry, thank you very much for joining us at a, a horribly early time uh, where you are. That is Terry Sheridan, who is managing editor of WSHU Public.
0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.